everybody. Uh, welcome again to my booktube channel. Um, I guess I'll start somewhat making this a regular thing. It's, it's been very like haphazard the past couple of months, but uh, it's, it's, it's great to be back. And today I am joined by author Essa Hansen. Essa, how are we doing today? I'm good. Hello, everybody. So um, I, I, I have to ask kind of first off, I, I was looking through your bio the other day. Uh, I'd say you have probably one of the coolest bios I've, I've ever <laughs> read. Uh, so it says author, swordswoman, and falconer. I mean, first off, like you could just end it there and just be done. <laughs> but you, to go on, it says you're also a sound designer for science fiction and fantasy films uh, at Skywalker Sound, and you have credits in movies like Doctor Strange and Avengers Endgame. I mean, like, <laughs> that is awesome. It's pretty cool. And, like, my job and my hobbies and my writing are all, like, science fiction and fantasy. So I, like, spend most of my time just in other worlds. <laughs> it's fun. Does it, uh, does it ever get tiring or old? I bet it doesn't. Um, it gets tiring. Um, but I, I find that, like, the film work, even though it's creative in a similar way and it's storytelling, it uses a different part of my brain. So like I can work 10 hours and I still kind of have creative energy at the end of the day to do writing in the evening or like in the morning. So it's like different gears enough somehow that yeah. I don't burn out on the creative part of it, even if I'm well, physically tired. I gotcha. That's good. Yeah. I, I was, I was curious if like, you know, working as a, as a in sound design, especially, you know, for science fiction and fantasy, you know, does it, does it ever seem like work? I mean, I'm sure it does like, especially if you're cutting different things and it's just having to like repeat, 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 you're, you're, you're kind of getting, I don't, I don't know if, you know, you, you listen to the same things on a daily basis and I don't know if you're trying to like critique it, like what exactly do you do uh, for the studio? Yeah. So as a sound designer, I often start early on, um, creating sounds for like things that don't exist, the magic and the spaceships and the creatures and like finding an aesthetic and figuring out how to sort of make the unreal more real and believable to the audience. Um, but it's also crafting an aesthetic for the whole movie and like figuring out the emotion that we want and the key storytelling points and make sure that that um, carries through the whole whole process. Um, and I also always do some sound editing. So I'm in there putting in like all the ambiences and the nitty gritty. So I'll have like chunks of the film that are mine to sort of just go wild and, and cover everything. Oh my gosh. I bet like at the beginning of that <laughs> process, it's like so much fun. Cause you're just like, all right, let's just throw all these sounds in there. And so look, you know, see what sounds yeah. right. Yeah. And that's sort of my process is like, um, just throw everything cool at it first because you have like we have a giant library of sounds from other movies or things we've recorded and like sounds specifically that I've made or recorded for this movie. So we have like a bunch of stuff to work from, but I'll start just like combing through and trying to find things and throwing everything cool at whatever it is, like whether it's the door or the vehicle or like explosion. Um, throw everything cool at it and then start weeding that. I mean, like, what do I really need? Like what's working for what I want to convey? And I think I kind of do the same thing with writing where like I, with description, I tend to overwrite. So like I'll put too many analogies or metaphors, like too many descriptive words, which is just my brain trying to like hit on some, like the feeling that I want. And then when I'm editing, I'll go and like cut, cut everything out and pick just the ones that are like, oh, that's what I need. 
<laughs> so you have like a couple of thousand like, <laughs> words that you just cut out that's just all description. <laughs> yep, it's like too much. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so I have to know. So so in sound design, so do you do you have like your own room that you sit in? Because I I've always seen you know videos. I, I guess it's like the additional footage for like you know when people used to buy DVDs. Uh, you'd have like the additional footage, and it shows a guy like in a room with like a bunch of different objects, and they're trying to figure out like how those things make a certain noise. Is that what you do? Somewhat. That's, they usually show off, um, it's called Foley, which is all of the um, sort of the human sounds, the sync sounds. So like we replace all the footsteps. If anyone touches anything like a water glass, we'll record that um, cloth movement and stuff to make the characters feel real. Cause on set there, the, Record assistant really picking up any of those like small detail sounds. Mm -hmm. um, so the Foley stage is where they've got like bins of all kinds of props and shoes and like swords and like weird objects and like every surface you could imagine on the floor is like sound playground. So that's always the cool thing to show off. <laughs> and sometimes we'll go in there and do stuff, but that's like its own department. It's just oh, okay. on that. Um, I gotcha. For sound design and sound editing, we're usually like those are the photos where you see the person out in the field, like recording like the lion or like in a meadow or something, or like, you know, just out and out in the wild <laughs> collecting stuff. That's, it just, it just, it's fascinating, you know, cause you, you don't really think about like how much sound goes into a movie or a TV show because you're right. Like a lot of sound isn't really picked up, you know, except for voiceover. Yeah. Um, they're, they're focused on the dialogue on set. And even sometimes that will be, unusable um, or need a lot of cleanup because there's like wind machines or, you know, activity or they're shooting near like a busy highway or something. Um, right. So we really have to replace 90% of all the sound you hear is someone like crafting it for the movie. And if we, if we do it right and you're not like you're drawn into the experience, you're not, you know, pulled out of it. Um, mm -hmm. But you don't notice the sound or that it's sort of guiding you through the story. Um, and my writing is often people comment on how immersive it is. And I think that's because I spend a lot of time like thinking about sensory um, stuff and thinking about that sense of immersion. So like I'm, my job is to fill a theater and, and make it feel like a whole environment. So when I'm writing, I'm kind of like, I want the reader to feel this whole environment, like bridge the gap between the page and the, the reader. I gotcha. Okay. Um, so kind of, kind of go back to, you know, we were talking a little bit off air. Um, so I have to know, so Halloween's a couple of days away. What, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> I'll be working. <laughs> I have, I've had, um, like interviews and essays and <laughs> things to prepare for book stuff. Um, but my draft for book two is handed off. So now I need to start thinking of book three in the Graven trilogy. So I'll be doing that as well. But mostly hunkered down here still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, because you're, you're in California, right? So uh, you've got a lot of fires and, it's of course, been... COVID's still going. And I mean, I just can't imagine yeah. what's going on over there. Yeah, it's been tough. And like the deadlines don't go away, even though there's there's COVID and fires and smoke and all of this. So like to keep being creative and, you know, try and keep your head down and focus has been really tough. Yeah. And I know I know they've you know had some power outages and stuff. Has that affected you at all? Um, we've missed some of them. I live pretty close to the coast. 
Um, so often we'll we'll either get a big storm will come through or the way that the hills are shaped, it'll like pass right by us. So we'll often get big warnings and then nothing happens <laughs> or sometimes it does. So it's really unpredictable. So there's been <laughs> lots of like projected outages that didn't actually happen. And then there'll be surprise ones where you thought everything seemed fine, but it just goes out. <laughs> That's like, like a sunny day outside and yeah. no smoke, you know, no smog out in the air and all of a sudden your power cuts out. Yep. Yep. That <laughs> happened earlier really this week, but good grief. Yeah. Um, and I was gonna say, luckily writing is like I can write without needing Wi-Fi. Um, but often my research process is like Googling random things on the fly, like, am I using this scientific term right? Or like, is this plausible? Or so I, I realize when when I don't have internet, how much it sort of like stops my momentum where I'd like sort of mm -hmm. zip zip online to to find some info or or do some world building or research. So like to okay. just put my head down and focus on the page, it's like not <laughs> not how I work anymore. <laughs> But I, say, I was I was curious because uh, you know when I when I was talking about you know with power I didn't know if you do you handwrite at all or is it all typing? I only type. I used to handwrite more, but now like I found that my brain goes faster than my hand can physically write, and it frustrates mm -hmm. me. And then I sort of lose where my brain was going because I'm still like. <laughs> backed up by the physical speed that I can go at. And also my, I'm so not used to it now that when I try to write longhand, my, my hand cramps up. I'm like, how do, how do my muscles do this anymore? <laughs> I'm like, not coordinated. So yeah, but I type really fast. Um, and that's just sort of where my, my brain speed has calibrated to. I gotcha. Yeah, I, I remember the last time like, I actually had to write anything more than, you know, just my name one time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, maybe signing for a house or something, you know, you just have to write mm -hmm. it multiple times. But yeah, I, I feel like the last time I actually wrote something out, I'm like, this is taking forever. I'm just going to type it out of my phone. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I do appreciate like that it does engage your brain in a different way. So like writers will get something different out of um writing longhand than you might just typing or, or even like a lot of authors will print out their draft when they're doing an editing pass, like to see it on a physical and like a very different form makes mm -hmm. them read it differently and notice things that they might not if it's just the same digital document. Yeah. So I get why it's useful, but <laughs> I get too. I, I kind of feel like this is the same. Uh, I mean, it's not the same, but like, I feel like it's a similar thing with like a reader, you know, you read something on a tablet versus reading a physical book. I feel like the read is different. Like the way you process the words. Uh, I don't know if it's like the feel of the book or just the fact that that was how you read up until a couple of years ago, I say a couple yeah. years ago. Um, but I feel like you take the information in a lot differently uh, depending yeah. on the medium you use. And I'll even use small tricks like in between editing or revision passes, I might change the font completely on my manuscript. So like the brain is so used to seeing it one way that to suddenly see it in a different font, it's like you'll notice typos that you just skimmed right over before or you'll read things differently or more carefully. So sometimes something even small like that <laughs> works to trick your brain. <laughs> you got to check your brain to keep it fresh, especially when you're going over the same manuscript like a hundred times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you're like, gosh, you start so to out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how many, how many fonts would you, do you, would you say you use in like a manuscript? Oh, probably only a few passes. Well, honestly, oh, okay. most of the time I forget to switch the font. I'm just like so focused <laughs> and I'm like, time, it's time to be Roman again. 
to <laughs> do it more, but yeah. So I'll do a few different classes and then switch it back. That's interesting. Okay. Um, all right. So before we get, I guess, more into your, to your process, your writing process, I want to know a little bit about you. I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about your, your sound design work, but I want to know, you know, who is Essa Hansen? How did she decide to become a writer or why did she decide to become a writer? And uh, kind of how we're, how we got to today, you know, 20 days out from your debut. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really boring author origin story. But also one I've heard from other authors, so maybe it's pretty common, where I've been writing as long as I can remember, like from when I was really, really little. Um, uh, little notes at first up to like full stories um, in fourth grade or so. But I was always surrounded by books and artists and musicians and like I was always creative and using my imagination in all kinds of mediums. So I was like, I can't imagine when I wasn't encouraged to be creative and like telling stories and making things up and making up worlds in my head. Um, but what's probably more unusual is that I, I don't remember ever getting it in my head that I wanted to be a published author or like the need to have a book, like a physical book or to be published. I was always writing just for myself and because I was passionate about it, it was like breathing, like I would do it just for myself. <laughs> Didn't need to be paid or recognized or share it. It's just what I love doing. Um, so that carried on through my teen years, just creating creating worlds and like long series of books and sort of like keep keep plotting on it and working on it and revising it and like spending time in different story worlds. But I was never thinking like, oh, I gotta finish this manuscript and like <laughs> publish it. And I got really good, I think, at the world building aspect and like planning things out and creating characters um, more so than like finishing a thing and for a lot of people finishing like one whole manuscript is a big deal and it's like they don't they don't ever get there they just kind of churn at things um but it wasn't until like four years ago or so that i thought like maybe i should try you know creating and finishing a manuscript for an audience that's not me uh, and that seemed like such a challenge right like that's a unique challenge you're not just noodling in your own head you actually got to make something that's like complete and well-structured and coherent. So then I started, I really dove into writing craft, like absorbing everything that I could about you know, how to plot and structure and build character arcs and all that. So that was really fun to like take all of my big imagination and start kind of shoving it into these more like external <laughs> constrictions almost. <laughs> um, so wrote a, wrote a manuscript and then I went to the querying trenches trying to get a literary agent. Um, and No Fed Gloss was my kind of my second book. I was writing two at the same time. So it's sort of my second book and went through the querying and on submission process along with this other epic fantasy I had written. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty fast from there, but it was like for a long time, I, I you know was writing all the time um, and that was my passion, but not like not thinking about publishing. Mm -hmm. Do, when would you say that you started actually writing seriously? Like when, when, when did it, when did the change happen where you go, you know what? I think I want to try publishing yeah. something instead of just jotting some stories down and just kind of, you know, keeping them close to <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, well, like 2017, I think was when I was like, all right, I'm going to write something for a market. Um, but I actually had like, coherent ideas before that. So like from my teen years, 
But what was interesting is all of my ideas seem to kind of all come back to one super, super long series on like the same timeline. <laughs> so I'd be like, I'm going to write something new. And then I'd be like, shit, that's this character from this like <laughs> book three is now a book nine. So like all my little ideas kind of like all ended up on this one big, which maybe one day I'll get back to this like nine book epic, like that moves from, from fantasy to science fiction slowly over time. Like, and the ideas were too big. I think it's part of why I never like focused on finishing one or like was thinking of publication. And even around 2017, when I was like, I'm gonna write something for markets. My, the very first idea I started working on was like way too high level for me at the time for my craft. <laughs> So I started into it, but I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this now. Like, I'm not getting my ideas across. Like, so that was the one I had to shelve. Like, I'll come back to it when I'm higher level. <laughs> or I have like better gear, you know? Right. Um, so then I started working on something else that was sort of more exciting and, and more at my level at the time. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's a nine book epic, huh? Yeah, and like some of them were just little bits and pieces, but I was like, I realized at some point that I was writing one world, like one planet, but it was all in different time periods. So like, and I, I didn't realize because like maybe the later stuff is really like technological and they have like, um, like they're sort of parallel virtual realities all figured out. And then um, the earlier ones will be like the Silmarillion style of like the, how the world came into being or like, like fantasy standard kind of epic fantasy stuff and I didn't connect the two and then as I like filled in these slots of it all being interconnected I was like wait a minute this is one trajectory <laughs> but again like as and like as a teenager I didn't have the craft or like even just the knowledge of narrative at the time to to be able to tackle something like that mm -hmm. so the ideas are still sitting around but <laughs> they'll be in the future <laughs> I'll get a couple of series under my belt first before I go back to that I said we have some unfinished business for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So tell me, uh, who uh, you know? You said you read a lot. Um, you, you had a lot of um, kind of artistic influences, kind of surrounding. But who would who would you say are maybe some of your early influences uh, into writing, and maybe even some that you have today? Uh, you know, while while you've got a series coming out. Yeah, I'm. I'm always jealous when authors can answer this question really fast, like, oh, like this is my favorite author, or like this book series was pivotal in my journey. Because <laughs> my brain starts going to like, I either forgotten a lot of the things that I read when I was really little, or there's like so many different things that I liked for different reasons that it's like, I can't pick out the one, you know, pivotal book or author. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I think what pushed me towards writing when I was in my young, young teen years was I lived very remotely. Um, like, we didn't have a bookstore. We had a library. Um, but I didn't also have peers that were, like, sending me recommendations or pushing books my way. Um, so it was difficult to find the books that I think I would have really loved at that age. So now my my to be read list is gigantic because all my new writer friends now, yeah, they're like, oh, have you read this like classic or this or this or this? And I was like, I wish I had. So I wasn't yeah. getting, I wasn't finding, like I read some of the, you know, big series at the time, but I wasn't really finding what I would have loved. And I was reading a lot more fantasy than science fiction. Like I wasn't finding science fiction except in manga um, very much. But it pushed me towards writing because I was like getting frustrated with not finding, 
finding to read what I wanted to read or like the world. So I was like, I'll make it myself, <laughs> which is kind of, which is a story I've heard from other authors. Of like, you know, I, I've decided to write what, or they, or like, I can do it better. <laughs> you know, you read something, you're like, I can write better than that. You're like 12 year old self, you know, but it got me writing and, and I got really sort of moved away from reading for a long time and to just like write a lot. And then finally found books again. Um, and actually Ian Banks' Fearsome Engine was one of those books where I read it and it was so much different than anything else I had read, like multiple POVs, points of view that are all very different. And some of the writing style are really different, like one character who is written completely phonetically. And so like, just how different it was, was like, oh, there's some cool, there's cool, like amazing books out there that I just have not been getting. So then that right. sent me searching. And by then I think our internet was better. So we could like <laughs> seek things out, <laughs> like have resources again. Um, but I was also, um, what I was finding for reading was a lot more like science, um, science books and philosophy and, and things like that, um, which I see the influence of now <laughs> in my kind of esoteric style and also where my scientific ideas are. Mm -hmm. um, reading a lot about like consciousness and reality and quantum physics and cognitive science and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like, you know, where where a lot of authors would answer like their favorite fantasy series or their favorites. I've author. I'm like mm -hmm. Tolkien. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> obscure, <laughs> obscure philosophy and esoteric sciences and you know quantum mechanics and stuff. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat that you were. Um, I didn't have a lot of people around me that were like gung ho about reading. I feel like a, a lot of the reading I did when I was younger. Uh, was because of like the reading programs our school did where it was you kind of had to read a lot to get kind of like your point system every week um, and so it was I'm not gonna say it was like forced but it wasn't as enjoyable mm -hmm. and so I I kind of I mean I really didn't read until you know junior senior year in high school um, and that was because my dad uh, was like hey you need to read this and he uh, got me reading I think the first thing I started reading was the um, the Frankenstein series by Dean Koontz uh he was like all right so so i was like okay so i'm into kind of like thriller mystery cool so i would just like read you know dean coons and then i started reading some king which is, is still so dumb. i was like you didn't read stephen king until you were 17 but you know it's just one of those things that you know nobody nobody that I surrounded myself with it was all video games it wasn't it wasn't books so i got my stories in somewhere but yeah. it wasn't through, through text um and then i went to college and didn't read and then got it out and uh i was like you know what I just want to pick a book up. I need, you know, I wanted something else to do than my general. And, um, I read, uh, wool by Hugh Howie. And, um, and I was just like, have books just gotten better? You know, like, you know, exactly. what happened? Yeah. And, I'm uh, like and I've just been, you know, voraciously reading since granted, you know, it goes in lulls ups and downs, but, uh, but you know, it, it's, it's just, it's kind of crazy, but you know, when you don't, you know, I hate to say when you don't surround yourself with those type of people, you know, you probably won't get anything. But yeah, I wasn't getting any kind of recommendations. Yeah. And like um, you, you don't and know. Now, and now I give them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like you don't know what you're, you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't know what yeah. you're missing. Someone isn't, you know, if it's not entering your sphere. That's a good point. Like I was playing a lot of video games. So a lot of my like story was being absorbed by, you know, um, 
role-playing games and, and stuff like that rather than books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, putting multiple hours into Halo and, uh, and Call of Duty and now all those games are just sitting there gathering dust <laughs> while all my books are pristine, you know? So it really is, it, I don't know if it's a different mindset or it's just that like, you know, books are right now they're an escape, uh, you know, just because of the, the lovely world we live in right now. Um, but but yeah, I mean, and now now it's recommending things, but what, the, the the tables turn on that too because now I'm being recommended things from 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're like, you never read this? Or even from five years ago, like I, I was being taunted and yelled at for not having read the first Law Trilogy. And I finally, I did last year. I just binged it in a week and I'm like, okay, now I kind of see why everybody, you know, told me to. Um, yeah, I get but, yelled at too. And I should get yelled at. Like I've missed a lot of classics and I've missed recent stuff and I've, um, but it, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. I hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I said the same thing, you know, people were like, so what do you do besides read? And I go, I don't know. I mean, I work, <laughs> uh, I play a little bit of video games. I, I would say I'll catch up on TV series, but I don't, there's just so much stuff out there and it's so hard. There's so much to content. keep up with all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even my, my, um, reading style and video games too, like, and, instead of picking at it little by little, I like to have the time to really dive in and like finish that book in two or three days. Or like, I'm going to binge this video game over the weekend. <laughs> and like right. I've played for 20 hours straight. <laughs> like I like to really dive into whatever world I'm going to get into rather than putting it in between different interruptions. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I'm kind of holding off on stuff because I know I really want the space to get into it. Yeah. See, my wife was, is more likely to let me read a book for an hour or two than to let me play a game for 30 or 45 minutes. So, so the video game thing really, if I, if I wanted to, would only be like kind of like the time that we have right now. It'd be right now. I'd be like, okay, so I, I'm caught up on work. Uh, I don't think I need to read anything right now. So, you know, here, here's, here's 20 or 30 minutes. But yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of the games that I enjoy are time consuming. I mean, it's you know, you, you know, your fallouts or Zelda or something where I'm, I'm kind of one of those that has to explore the entire map and find everything mm -hmm. before I actually get to the quest. Yeah, so, we do. Like so, I mean, I'll just be, I'll be wandering for two hours to find like one gun or one sword. <laughs> and I'm like, time well spent. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Good. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, all right, so so going back to writing, um, you talked a little bit about how um, you know your process has been through the manuscript and so forth. But you know, tell me a little about a little bit about your writing process, maybe from the beginning of starting. You know, your first draft. How you know? Did you have like a set word count? Did you have a set like this is how my day is going to plan out? Did you have to have a cup of coffee with you the whole time? Did you go through six cups of tea? You know, I, I've heard it all, but everyone's different. So I'm just curious. <laughs> Um, well, so process wise, I, I plot now more than I used to, especially since like deadlines are really reality. Like I want to make sure that I'm, I'm have something solid before I start drafting. But before I was doing a lot more discovery writing and, um, sort of letting the story, let myself find the story as I'm going through it rather than sort of knowing every beat that I'm getting to. Um, but it definitely did mean more revision <laughs> later and more working on it to try and like um, 
figure out the story I wanted to tell. So now I plot a lot more. And in terms of day-to-day -day process, I often have to fit writing around like 50-hour weeks of my day job. So it ends up being wherever I can fit it. So like in the morning, I maybe get an hour. Um, my lunch break's an hour if I can fit something there. Um, but the majority is probably in the evenings on a work day. But it's also when my brain's the most tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I try and get, you know, my heavy lifting done in the morning when my brain's fresh and I'm like, need, need coffee. I don't think the caffeine affects me. I have like the genes where it just does nothing. <laughs> but I love the taste <laughs> and it's like the ritual of it. Like writers are often ritualistic creatures. So like the ritual of it, like wake, coffee, manuscript, <laughs> like get right into it. Yeah. Um, but I also find it useful, like, especially those long days where I can, like, get some writing done in the morning. And then if there's problems I need to solve or, like, a scene I don't quite have figured out, that'll be in my unconscious throughout the day. And I can be jotting little notes as, like, I solve problems. Be like, oh, this thing. I'll be, like, on the elevator or something. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jot that down. Um, so my, my brain is still, can you know, be working on it in the background while I'm doing other stuff. And I'll often make a lot of progress that way because I'm not actively looking at the page, but I'm still doing the work. And then when mm -hmm. I sit down in the evening, I'm like, okay, I've solved this and this is going to happen. And like I saw, you know, had this vision of this thing in the scene that I want to put in. So then I'll sort of flesh that all out. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so have you, uh, have you found that you have writer's block at all? Like have you ever just been stumped at a point or is it something that you you know don't believe in i know a lot of writers i've spoken to here recently say they just don't believe in it um that it's just you know maybe it's not the right time to write or uh you know they need some more time to develop something before they start you know putting something to paper i was just curious what was your take on that yeah i think it usually means something's not either something's not working or you, you sort of haven't tripped into the next um, next line of thinking rather than like something is just completely shut down. Mm -hmm. Although like we can absolutely get burnt out or fatigued and like the brain just doesn't want to <laughs> keep working on this. And usually it's like you need a break or you need to brainstorm or you need to like give it time, breathing room um, and come back to it or let it like again, subconscious sort of work on it until like, oh, <laughs> like get the energy back or like the idea springs up. Mm -hmm. um, so I've definitely, like with no fat gloss, I sort of wrote it in two parts um, since I wasn't plotting. Like I didn't know where the last third of the book was going. So I wrote up to that point and then I was writing two manuscripts at the same time. So I could like, I was changing gears between like sci-fi and a fantasy. So mm -hmm. when I would get stuck in one, I don't think I could do this now, but when I would get stuck in one, I would go to the other one and it was different enough <laughs> that I could like ping pong. I don't know how I did that, but I could, <laughs> so I, I got like two thirds of the way through and was like, not sure where I was going to end up. Um, and that was partly because my pacing wasn't where it needed to be in the beginning. And I didn't have enough like plot that I preloaded mm -hmm. later. But anyway, so I could set it aside and then came back to it later and tackled that last part of the plot and then like cinched it all together at the end. Um, but that definitely felt like, like I don't actually know, like I need to give this some space because I'm like, not sure yet where where I wanted this plot to go. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, 
I think I'd turn to brainstorming more. Like if I'm really stuck, then I'll just sit down and like, okay, what are all the things that could happen? Or like, what am I excited about? Or like, just try and get it flowing, which is also mm-hmm. what I do when I'm sound designing, especially if it's something like really surreal, like, all right, spaceship engine, like this needs to sound <laughs> cool, like nothing we've heard before. <laughs> like, this is what it looks like. So like, okay, like just need to start getting ideas or like, um, with magic sound design or something like I can't go out and record magic. That would be nice. That'd be easy. I mean, you <laughs> can't. Is that the thing? Go <laughs> find a sorcerer. Like, can you, can you do a fire spell? <laughs> so since I can't do that, I got to start thinking of like, okay, what can I use? Like, what does this look like? What is the emotion I want to evoke? What is so it's like brain starts thinking of materials and like other things that I can be using like non-literal source. So I'm used to having to brainstorm and think out of the box a lot. So when I get stuck in writing, I know for me, it's usually, if it's not obviously fatigue, I know that I probably just need to work out the tangles of whatever the thing is. Or like I, if I don't know where I'm going, then I need to brainstorm to like figure out where the excitement is going to lead me. I gotcha. Yeah. I was, I, I'm always curious because, uh, I've tried my hand at a few stories and I find that the idea hits, I write, 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 write. And then I'm like, okay, I feel good. And then I never come back to it. (laughs) I've got, I've got a thousand words of a story. I started like three months ago because I woke up at like two 30 in the morning and just was like, this is a great idea. Right, 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 right. And I don't know if it's just like, I just don't have the time to do it. I don't have the interest to do it or I just haven't figured out where do I go from there. And it's probably a combination of all the things, but yeah, I do have a lot of those. Like I have a big document where I just dump the story ideas or sometimes it's not even an idea. It, it'll just be like a scene that pops into my head and like, that's kind of cool. Or like something that's going on. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I'll write like a few paragraphs or even just like some sentences of like, here's this, you know, concept. Sometimes it'll be longer, like, you know, a chapter's worth of stuff, but I don't know where it's going to go or if it's part of a story or whatever, and just place to dump those bits. And I have come yeah. back to those before or like cannibalize them for another story. Sometimes it just has to sit there until I come back to it later. I'm like, what is this weird thing? And then, and then when I, when I'm reading it, it like fresh, then it starts to expand into like a full story or something else or like a short story. So I definitely do get those like burst <laughs> of energy <laughs> that, that doesn't go anywhere. Right. So I, guess, so I guess what I need to do is I just need to go read it again. <laughs> yeah, read it after a while. Although some, some I come back to and I was like, I was not good at, at jotting down what, what I was thinking at the time. I don't know. Assuming that I would understand later. It's like when you're writing down dreams or something, like kind yeah. of vague. I'll come back to it and be like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it was great while I was, while I was in it, but now that I write it down, it sounds stupid. Yeah. <laughs> or like my... The epic fantasy manuscript I was working on, like, so in my document of, like, just dumping stuff, I had one line that just popped in my head, and I put it there, and then came back to it, like, months later, and I'm like, hmm, this is, like, you know, what's going on? Um, And started to imagine a scene around it, and then that ended up being an entire novel from, like, this one intriguing little line. So that happens, too. It's like something that pops in just ends up being a lot bigger. But a lot of right. my ideas come from like some seed 
seedling of like a, an image or a line or like an idea that at some point gets watered and becomes a big thing. Yeah. I mean, it could be, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road and you're like, <laughs> you remember that thing? <laughs> yeah, totally. Here's a hundred thousand words. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, and again, maybe it comes back to like not being a high enough level for the thing or like, not, you know, being geared enough to take it on. Um, so some ideas, I think, just sit around until I come back with like a different, different craft um, or a different mindset or like um, just more experience developing ideas and then then it grows into something good but yeah i think i think so mine is just like not really uh diving into the craft of it you know i, I feel like i'm like you know I've, I've read enough that i could write something and then you know i'll read something and go there's no way i'm not even, not even close <laughs> to that uh like i think my my main thing is um you know i guess it's not really just word count but trying to get a scene of people just talking and trying to get the descriptions just right. And, you know, the emotion behind the words and stuff. And I would just be like, he said something, something, something. <laughs> and then she responded by da, 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 da. And I, I, I'm like, how does somebody come up with this whole thing of, you know, that's like two pages long and it's just a conversation. I'm like, I, that baffles me. <laughs> well, there's different approaches, right? Like you can, you, one author might put like just the skeleton down, like it's not pretty, but these are the bones of everything that's going on, like get all the scenes out. And another mm -hmm. writer might, you know, need every line to be perfect and every paragraph to like be firing on all cylinders before they that's keep me. going on. <laughs> so it's like slower, right? Cause you're, you're, you're analyzing it as you go and like editing. Yeah. You can't quite move on until it's, I'm somewhere yeah. in between, I think. Yeah, I think I think that's the the editor brain uh, going on because uh, when I first started doing book reviews, I also did a lot of like alpha, beta, and gamma reading, and so I did some like proof passes and edits and so forth. And even when I read, I mean, I, I sit there and find typos in finished copies. I know there's supposed to be typos in arcs, but uh, and I, I think that's what it is because I I've read that that thousand words that I've written you know a couple of times, and I just keep just like tweaking it just a little bit, and I go. Can I just leave it alone and just like write another scene? Why can't I do that? But no, I'm just like, this has to be perfect before I can move on. And that's probably why I'm sitting here, you know, yeah. with not a thousand and one words, just a thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> and they often say like, you need to learn how to turn your editor brain off when you're drafting, which I kind of agree with if it's like so active that it's stopping you from continuing. But I also like, I edit as I'm going a lot and like I'll read over and kind of, like somewhere in between and I don't like I can't just spill words onto the page and come back later like I need to make sure um and I write really linearly too so I need to make sure that like I am in the flow of the scene and the emotions and like craft it as I go and I end up with really clean drafts even though it's much slower because it's like the editor and the writer are like um you know swapping the baton every all right. the time right yeah but if i'm in a good place it's not enough that it like literally stops me from from carrying through the scene just like i said it almost sounds like you're just trying to make it easier for yourself down the road <laughs> like, I'm, so. just, I'm just gonna go ahead and do this now so i don't have to worry about it you know right after the deadline and they're like okay we need edits back and i'm like you know what i'm good I'm just gonna relax <laughs> yep <laughs> Yeah, do as much as I can in each pass. 
I gotcha. All right, so uh, so let's talk about your debut that's coming out. And like I said, in 20 days. <laughs> I hear my coming yes. So uh, so no fat gloss. Uh, book one in the Graven, I guess Graven trilogy. Yes. Um. So comes out on November seventeenth. Uh, I know we've been hearing a lot about it for several months. Uh, mostly because us book bloggers can't get enough of <laughs> Twitter and book community stuff. Um, but tell us a little bit about No Fit Gloss and kind of what we can expect uh, going into the novel. Yeah, so it's set in a bubble multiverse, which is maybe not like some of the multiverses you've seen before. It's all on one timeline, um, a bunch of spherical individual universes stuck together in a, like a vast foam. And they can be all sizes from like little tiny ones to galactic scale. And there's different physics in each one. Um, so technology and biology passing through transforms in various ways to match the new physics on the other side. So that was sort of my seed idea um, for the story and what sort of economy would emerge and what sort of like explorer culture would emerge. Um, but the story starts really small um, with a mechanic boy on an isolated world. Um, he's ignorant of this gigantic multiverse that he lives in. And he's been raised to have just one function. Um, <laughs> I can I can spoil the first couple chapters. So bad things happen. <laughs> bad things happen. And he's thrust into this gigantic world um, and falls in with a family of misfit aliens and um, galactic explorers with a very special starship. Um, and he, he has to come to terms with his, his origins, his, his, um, his ignorance and his trauma from this event, um, while he seeks out justice for his people who were slaughtered. Um, so it's sort of the, him growing up too fast physically, emotionally, and morally as he comes to grasp this gigantic world and what his moral responsibility is in it as he tries to figure out his his place <laughs> gotcha so uh so i guess what what influence um not only the story but your main character influence again i don't i can't point to like um <laughs> you don't want to say author's names or books yeah. well i can't i think personally i since i work so abstractly like i am absorbing inspiration from all kind like video games and movies and books and author styles and even like science that I read and out in nature, like, and then those little bits percolate up <laughs> in various spots in my manuscript and, um, and, or I'll, I'll start with a little seed idea from something like a bit of science and then try and take it in a new direction. Uh, so my inspiration I think comes from, from all over, but also I've been, well, as I get this question a lot, <laughs> you know, everyone wants to know what's your influences. I always wonder about like subconscious influences that I, you know, we don't think about or that we absorb when we were really young. So like the idea started with this big multiverse and, you know, what, what a worldwide diversity is the norm and transformation is the norm would be like. Um, and also the sort of explore culture and economy based on maps and like exploration. Um, but when I was little, like I watched Star Trek and Stargate and shows that are very much like a team, ex 
exploring alien worlds and like sort of like the culture clash and um and what sort of threats could threaten like all all worlds that they're going to so mm. i'm sure there are lots of like sort of unconscious influences that i absorbed when i was little that's like are where my interests bring into creating this this world but that i can't I was just curious, you know, why why decide to do, you know, multiverse rather than something, I would say something a little easier, you know, just <laughs> one world. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's like a really complex world, but it it's manageable because like some elements, the plot is pretty, the revenge plot is pretty simple and the character is pretty straightforward and the story starts like really, really small. It takes like six chapters before we really start to see different alien species and weird technology and like what the multiverse really is. Um, so I try to make it manageable for the reader. And I think Part of my process writing the book was probably making it easier for myself. <laughs> so I got like two for there, <laughs> like <laughs> easing my own author brain into the scope of the world um, by doing it literally in the plot and with the character. Um, and it's helpful to have an ignorant character who like can be have things explained to him. <laughs> <laughs> I totally cheated. <laughs> um, you did. Uh, you, you you found you found a plot you know a plot hole where you could just be like, <laughs> what. Well, Maybe I need to learn some more about this. Let's let the main character learn some yeah. more. <laughs> so it's helpful to have like a familiar some familiar framework for the reader if you're going to add in all these weird ideas. And like the early reviews and stuff, people are like really love my imagination and like the weird technology and weird aliens and stuff. But I think that works because there's enough familiarity and like sci-fi tropes and stuff that to hang the weird stuff on so it feels grounded and it's not just like a complete overwhelm of like unusual prose and bizarre species and, and environments and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. I, I feel, you know, kind of like we were saying, I, I feel like, you know, if, if you dump somebody into something that everything is completely unfamiliar, you know, they're, they're going to be into their head and it may be something that it's just too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, if you add enough stuff in, or like you said, have have you know your main character get explained it to? Uh, I think it's, I think it I think it helps it helps kind of bring a reader into your world uh, rather than kind of keeping them on the outskirts, you know. And and we we know all the insider information, but you're just gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, sure. And like my my idea definitely started with the world, um, and then of course I needed a character to focus on to have an actual plot. Um, but my original idea was when the protagonist, Caden, was a lot older. So we got, okay, got a hero, give him a cool starship. He can, like, explore um, explore this multiverse. And I was originally thinking kind of more like a serial style, like going to different worlds and, like, you know, explore, like, zoomed in bits of this multiverse. Um, but then I started developing his backstory, <laughs> which started in a, like, isolated world. Um and that took off into a, I have a habit of like little things, like exploding into a full novel. Or <laughs> like, this is why I'm not good at writing short stories. Like, it suddenly ended up something gigantic. So anyway, his backstory, like prologue, ended up this whole novel. Um, but I think it was for the best that like, instead of trying to start by dumping the reader or my own brain into like gigantic world and explain everything all at once, I could start really isolated and ease the reader in. 
and hopefully by book two they're like into the <laughs> they're in the world and i can just throw everything in <laughs> I gotcha. more dimensions and Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start off, you know, get, let us in, in easy and then, uh, you know, mm -hmm. then, then, start, then start the Michael Bay explosions in book two. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if I did this consciously or like, so as a debut, you kind of want to convince readers that, like, you know, come along with me. <laughs> this is something new. So maybe like having a lot of familiar stuff um, in the beginning, of the book is like, come, come along. <laughs> you don't know you're going somewhere weird. <laughs> <laughs> like this is like other stuff you've read i promise <laughs> yeah um so uh i guess how did you not really how did you yet because you know we still got some days for the debut hits but um you know what makes nofit gloss i guess stand out from the crowd of other space opera or science fiction novels uh what what is it about you know caden that you know you believe makes you know, Nuffet Gloss a worthy a worthy read, or is it is it just Caden and everything else? Is it really just you know character driven, or do you need to experience everything uh, in the novel for yourself? You know, to get the whole experience. <laughs> uh, well, I can kind of since there's some early reviews and blurbs now, I can go from what everybody's noticing, which often I think isn't what the author thinks of their own work as, because we've seen it so many times. So like. Um, the, the scope of my imagination and like the weird aliens and environments and technologies like seems normal to me. Like I might not say like you're in for a, a bizarre experience, <laughs> but all the readers are like, that's unusual to them. So it's like not what's in the market right now. And I think my prose as well, like the way that I describe things, um, the sort of unusual word choice is also part of that sort of odd experience that's not quite like the style of other books right now other sci-fi sci mm -hmm. um so there's that angle but also so like cadence i think how i how i deal with morality and like the heroism so he's very singular minded on revenge and part of that is he's trying to run, outrun all the grief like this big um big event big traumatic event that was too much for a kid <laughs> To handle, so he's sort of trying to run, run away from that, nipping at his heels by throwing himself at, um, you know, something much bigger than himself, thinking that he's mm. getting justice, and you know, he survived for a reason that he thinks is, you know, toppling this big organization and make sure no one goes through what he went through, um, and he does a lot of like valiant and heroic deeds but they're not always rewarded like they would often be like he doesn't get <laughs> the fanfare or <laughs> metal around his neck or so but he keeps he keeps throwing himself at what he thinks is doing the right thing um in a sort of self-sacrificing way but um the complicated morality and the gray morality I think it's really fun, especially in such a big, diverse world where there's many angles to come at it with. Mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed exploring like a character who's was isolated and is pretty ignorant of the world, but because he has such an outside perspective on this culture that everybody's been in, and like he sees the things that are normalized that they don't, you know, the adult crew that he's with, like yeah, that's how every how it's always been, or they, you know, that's normal. He's like, no. <laughs> this oppression is bad like that's exploitation like is that so he's sort of seeing the world in a in a different way um and maybe makes bad choices heroic but 
bad choice based on that. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested because, um, you know, you talk, you talk about your pros and how early reviewers talk about pros. I feel like I, I read a lot of my reads are based, I wouldn't say based on pros. I mean, a lot of it's very character driven, which it sounds like Nofit Gloss is. Um, but I, I'm always interested in, in new in new pros. Like uh, I read Anna Smith Sparks Empires of Dust trilogy uh, a couple years ago, and it's one of my favorite trilogies ever. But the pros in it, I feel like, turns a lot of people off. Um, it's very poetic, um, and you know, words are repeated, but they're they're repeated for a reason. Um, it's very you know emphasized uh, or emphatic, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you know, like like hers, uh, Ed McDonald's, which I'm just going to keep naming off grimdark authors. Apparently. <laughs> uh, you know, Mark Lawrence. Uh, I, I feel like it's it's not even about the story. Sometimes it's really just about the words. I can just read it, and the words are just dripping off the page, and I just go, I I just need more, you know. And and sometimes the story gets lost to me. But you know what? Uh, you know what? I guess. What is it about your prose maybe that uh, is different than other things that we've read? I know you said the, the way you describe certain things. Like, you know, what are some words that you use that maybe are <laughs> – or maybe kind of like, wait, what, what, I need to go yeah. you know, find a definition for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like I've, I've heard um, – some friends friends of mine who are fast readers they're like oh they've all said separately like this slowed me down <laughs> it's like dense but in a good way like i can't speed read through this like it got a kind of chew on it um and my prose has also been called immersive so like i use all five senses in and i pay attention to rhythm and cadence and um, so I think the writing is really sort of lush and immersive and sensory, which slows people down because they're sort of like asked to be drawn into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I use, which partly this comes from working in sound, but I'll use like odd word choices that people wouldn't think of. Because um, in sound, I'm like thinking out of the box. I'm like, I'm going to use this ice sound for this fire magic, <laughs> or like, you know, kind of cross. And I also have some synesthesia with sound. So like my senses are often cross-wired so I may think of sound in terms of like a texture that I feel or like a shape um, that sort of thing so when I'm looking for word choices I'll be describing the event in like an other another sensory mode than what you would think or like in terms of emotion or something <laughs> um, which it feels normal to me because it's sort of how my everyday world is like and how I make sense of it but to a reader that's like not what they would where their brain would go. So that's sort of like interesting for them, just in okay. terms of the prose and like how I describe things and paint the world. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it, you know, and it's always nice to, you know, cause I, I feel like I'm a, a speed reader as well. So I'm, I'm interested <laughs> to see how much it slows me down. Um, <laughs> so um, I know uh, you talked about um, just turning in uh, I guess the draft for book two. So are you, are you currently working on book three? Uh, is, is there anything else that you're working on currently that you can even potentially talk about? I'm focused on book three now until I get my book two edits back, <laughs> sort of leapfrogging, which is kind of, it's a weird sensation to be leapfrogging yourself on deadlines, like moving from one book to the next. Um, so I need to figure out where I'm going with book three and try and plot it as much as I can before I get my book two edits back and then re be revising that. 
But like before you have um, a book deal, you can spend as much time as you want, <laughs> you know, noodling on the manuscript or <laughs> you don't always, you aren't always thinking in series because it may not be picked up as a series. Um, so now it's been a different experience this year, especially during COVID and fires and all that, but a different experience like deadlines and try and like keep, <laughs> keep bouncing between um, different books in the series and make sure I'm on track. Yeah, I'm sure that, and you know, on top of having a day job, and <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, because, because you know, all authors are they just write all day. That's all they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's part of why I'm so behind on reading and like video games I've missed and like, other stuff like that because there's no time in the day. Right. I mean, you know, you can't just automatically extend the hours of the day to to enjoy the things no. you want to enjoy. I can, I can sleep less, but that's not good either. <laughs> True. No, it's not. I mean, especially if coffee doesn't help. So no. <laughs> um, last question I got for you. Are there any books you've read recently, you know, that you've actually had the opportunity to read or even anything that say the past few years uh, that maybe needs some more love that you'd recommend to the audience? Yeah, and let me look at the release date. One of my Critique Martner's books is coming out on November 7th. It's epic fantasy, um, grimdark fantasy called Under the Lesser Moon by Shelley Campbell um, coming out from Mythos and Ink. And it is amazing. Like Shelley's writing always inspires me. Like the, the, the lush emotional prose and like very character driven and the world comes alive and there's dragons. So if you like, you know, rage of dragons and like lush epic fantasy, check out under, under the lesser moon. Okay. Yeah. I, go ahead. Coming out next week. Yeah. I'll, I'll be yeah. spamming on Twitter and everywhere. Cause I love this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, uh, I think Shelly follows me on Twitter and I think I just added it to my Goodreads page and read the synopsis. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. So I want to reread <laughs> when I have time. <laughs> when, when you have time. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I would cause I'm like, I'm going to steal all her beautiful verbs and like, <laughs> yeah. Don't, we'll we'll make sure we make sure we add that out. So she didn't hear that. We she, knows. Still the <laughs> she knows. She can um, my verbs. There you go. There you go. We'll trade um, verbs. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. Um, well, Essa, I just I really appreciate you coming on today and chatting with me. Um, everybody, again, No Fit Gloss comes out in 20 days on November 17th. Oh. Uh, so make sure you pick up a copy. Uh, I am very much looking forward to reading it. Hopefully, I can get you a review here soon and uh let me tell everybody else how much i love it um but as just uh again it, it's been a wonderful time chatting with you it's been it's been great getting to know you on social media and definitely looking forward to uh the next books in the series and then whenever you get that nine book epic fantasy <laughs> out uh we'll definitely looking forward okay. to it as well <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for for having me on to chat <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we'll do this again. You know, maybe we can do it around book two or uh, maybe a little later or maybe next time I'll give you a little more heads up and we can do a, a little <laughs> bit of a reading or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Well, you have a great rest of your week and uh, we look forward to uh, pub day. Thank you. And thanks everyone.